We're recapping the New York Giants big NFC East game against the Washington Commanders. That's coming up next on the Locked on Giants podcast. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's Locked On Giants podcast is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster and easier. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. Good morning, Giant fans. Welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. I am Patricia Traina, and it is Victory Monday, everybody. The New York Giants. 20 to 12 over the Washington Commanders, the Giants improving their pl- postseason playoff berth, uh, chances significantly with the win. We're going to talk about it. I don't have David Turner with me this morning, unfortunately, just because of the scheduling, you know, Sunday night and all that thing. So you guys know how I feel about Sunday night games and Monday night games and those late games, but I'm going to try my best to break it all down for you. It's a happy recap for the most part. Let's get right into it. All right. When I look at this Giants victory, I think we have to start with the big picture. The big picture is the Giants went back to doing what they were doing at the start of the year when they got off to that, you know, that big, I think it was like six and two, seven and two start. They went back to gutsy calls, see the fourth down play call that Brian Dable uh, took advantage of. They went back to really leaning on Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones's legs, which they hadn't really done, um, you know, during the, these last few games where they only won the one game against the Texans. They played better defense. I mean, the run defense is still a problem, but the defense overall um, much, much improved uh, and, and more aggressive. And Brian Dable, I mentioned he took chances. We got to throw in that chance that he took when he challenged that Taylor Heineke fumble that initially wasn't ruled a fumble, they, um, they challenged that and they, they over the uh, officials overturned it. So Leonard Williams was credited, I think with the, with the recovery, I think the sack was actually split by Dexter Lawrence and Aziz Ojolari. But um, so the giants going back to the basics and, Oh, can we talk about Daniel Jones now, I know this is going to probably turn some people off. Some people might turn this podcast off. But folks, can we give credit where it's due? I mean, you know, I know there's still a lot of Daniel Jones haters out there. I saw some of the comments in, in some of the shows last week saying, oh, this would be the last week, you know, the last time Daniel Jones is going to play, you know, against Washington in a Giants uniform. I'm not so sure that's the case, folks. I haven't thought that all, you know, the last several weeks. Um, There's still obviously a few more games to go, but I have a gut feeling that in the minds of Giants management, they have made up their mind about whether they want Daniel Jones back. And his numbers, you know, you look at his numbers, they're not anything special. 21 of 32, 160 yards, quarterback rating of 77.6, did have one loose ball, but that was overturned because he was ruled down at the time. Didn't throw any touchdowns, also didn't throw any interceptions. But what Daniel Jones did in the Washington game, which, you know, if you're still on the fence about him, 
this should really convince you, I think, that he is the guy moving forward. The decisions he made, the placement of the ball with some of his throws, right on the money. All right. The Richie James pass, two Richie James passes, by the way, uh, including the one on fourth down. Um, Jones, I think his numbers would have been a lot better because there were some passes where his receivers just got their hands on it and couldn't reel it in. So you factor those into the equation. Maybe Jones is a little bit better as, in terms of his numbers. And, you know, the rushing aspect of it, 10 carries, 35 yards, that's a 3.5 uh, yards per carry average and a long of 10. Now, um, the one minor nitpick that I had about Jones running, besides the fact that they're still running him, might as well. I mean, it's, it's, it's an asset to the offense was on that fumble that was thankfully overturned. He went head first. I mean, Jones has this tendency to want to truck guys like a Josh Allen would. And every time he leads with the shoulder and the head and the neck, I'm like, I hold my breath because I, that's what got him injured last year. If you remember. So if they could only clean that up with him and get him to constantly go feet first, as opposed to going head first, you know, look, Daniel, we know you're tough. We know it. You've taken some hits back there behind an, uh, you know, at times a Swiss cheese offensive line, but please, please, please be smart, especially if you're going to be the long-term uh, answer at quarterback for this team. So you had that on the giant side. Now let's talk about the defense and their return to, uh, you know, a solid play. Yes, they did allow 6.1 yards per carry to the Washington run game. So that was uh, 159 yards on 26 carries. Still a problem. Still a problem. Uh, but you know what? The receiving aspect of it, not too bad. I mean, other than Jahan Dotson going 105 yards on four receptions, 61 of which was that touchdown reception that he had. Not horrible if you take that play out of out of the equation. Um, the pass rush was definitely there against the the Washington line. I think I think the uh, Giants definitely took advantage of um, some of the Washington weaknesses on the line. So just looking at the stats really quick, the Giants had eight quarterback hits, three sacks, uh, six pass breakups, four pass defenses. Two forced fumbles. Um, I'm sorry. Let me check check that. Six pass defenses, four forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries. And folks, can we talk about Kayvon Thibodeau? Wow. Wow. Uh, you know those narratives about him taking plays off in Oregon? I don't believe them. Kayvon Thibodeau had a game for the ages. 12 tackles. Team leading 12 tackles, one sack, the strip sack of Taylor Heineke that was a forced fumble. He recovered the fumble and he scored the first points of the game. I mean, what can you say? If that young man doesn't get defensive player of the week honors in the NFC, I don't know who will. I mean, that was one heck of a performance. He came through on the biggest stage in the biggest game thus far this season and he delivered. And I think the biggest difference we are seeing in Kayvon Thibodeau, there's two things I'll point to. One, the game is slowing down for him. 
to ever since the return of Aziz Ojulari to the lineup, now teams have to kind of pick their poison. Do they go with Ojulari and double him? Do they focus on Leonard Williams or do they focus on the rookie, Thibodeau? Pick your poison. You know, Whatever you do, it looks like the Giants are going to have an answer for it. And, you know, mentioning Aziz Ojulari, he had a half sack in this game. I think since he's been back, he's had at least a half sack in each game since he's returned from his injury. Um, he had two quarterback hits and he was responsible for a forced fumble. Not bad. Not bad at all. So the Giants coming up with a big win. And oh, by the way, one other point I want to mention before we take a quick break here is the Giants did something on offense. It's going to fly under the radar when you look at um, the game tape, but it was so important in thwarting that Washington defensive front. What was it? You know what? I'll tell you after the break. So stick around. And now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Life can be challenging, put a strain on our mental health when things happen beyond our control. Seeking the expertise of a licensed professional to help guide us towards a resolution is key to overcoming life's ups and downs. So if you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. Get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey. And if you find that the therapist is not a match for your needs, you can switch at any time. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash locked on. Hey, Giant fans, thanks so much for making this Locked On Giants podcast your first listen today. Now, makes Locked On Sports today your second listen. Peter Bukowski brings you the biggest stories from around the sports world in 20 minutes. Get the analysis and opinions before anyone else with our local and national experts and insiders. Locked On Sports Today podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Locked On Giants podcast. I'm Patricia Trainer here on a victory Monday, the Giants beating the Washington Commanders 20 to 12. And at the end of the last segment, I said there was something that the Giants did a little differently this, uh, this particular time around from the first meeting. And I started to tell you, and I said, let me hold it until after the break. And uh, that's what I want to devote this next section to. I want to devote it to what the Giants did differently this time around versus last time around. And we've got to start, in my opinion, with how the Giants countered the Washington defensive front, specifically that pass rush. How did they protect him? Well, if you remember in the first game, the Giants gave up four sacks, including a sack fumble that led to that 10 nothing deficit for the offense. Now, Daniel Jones did get hit in this game. I don't want you to think that he didn't. Um, according to the game book, he was hit four times, probably a, a few more because there were some, some pressures that got through for Washington. But what did uh, the Giants do differently? They got the ball out of Daniel Jones's hands a lot faster this time. I mean, we were talking that it was drop back, 
throw, drop back throw. There was no, there was very little hesitation. And in doing that, Washington soon realized that it couldn't do something that it had done the first game. And that was create stunts and twists and loops and whatever you want to call them. It was pretty much get to the quarterback, you know, cut out the fancy stuff because the fancy stuff wasn't working. By the time they did their stunts and their loops and twists early on in the game, the ball was out of Daniel Jones's hands. So that was a big, big difference, I think, from last week, or I should say last time, to this time. And, uh, you know, it wasn't perfect, but, you know, between the blocking being much better and getting the ball out of Daniel Jones's hands a lot quicker, very, very important change uh, by the Giants to counter what Washington had done to them the first time around. All right. Uh, what else did the Giants do differently? Well, the first time around, um, you could say they had previously leaned a little bit more on RPOs and play action bootleg. So uh, this time around, it was more traditional, the offense. It was more, you know, catch and throw, drop back in the pocket and throw it. Not of, not of the, you know, not a lot of RPOs in this game that, you know, stood out. Daniel Jones could just, you know, stand back in the shotgun, take the snap, throw it. You saw a lot of quick slants, uh, short passes over the middle. Um, you know, not a lot of deep shots, as I recall, by Daniel Jones, but just overall stand in the pocket and get it out of there. There were a few RPOs, don't get me wrong, but um, for the most part, it was a traditional offense. It wasn't anything fancy. It was, it was in the grand scheme of things, maybe a little on the vanilla side, but it worked. It absolutely worked. Um, they went with a more up-tempo passing game, which resulted in what I said before, Jones getting the ball out of his hand quickly. So there was no waiting for that mesh point and reading a defender to decide, you know, where he was going to go with the ball. That also allowed for Saquon Barkley to chip defensive linemen and outside linebackers who were coming in at the quarterback. So that helped down, helped out slowing down the Washington pass rush. Um, it, it was just absolutely a key aspect that I don't know if it was mentioned on the broadcast, but, you know, in looking back over that game, that was very, very important for the Giants uh, offense to, to get going and to move the ball down the field. Now, it started out slow. Like I said, you know, I know if you were following me on Twitter last night, I was saying that I didn't like how the game was unfolding. But once the Giants got started, wow, they the, the sheer brilliance of thwarting that Washington defensive front, which is a very good defensive front, by the way, was um, was just, you know, a key to the game that I don't think is going to get enough credit and really should, to be uh, to be honest with you. So um, kudos on that. Now let's talk about what the defense did a little bit differently. The, as I mentioned before, the run game, the run defense, not very good. 159 yards on the ground, and they ran the ball at will. I mean, 6.1 yards per carry. And Brian Robinson, who continues to author an, an amazing comeback story, 7.4 yards per carry. Amazing. Amazing. Kudos to that young man. If he's not considered, 
you know, an NFL comeback player of the year candidate, then there's no justice in my opinion. But let's talk about how the Giants defense capitalized on some of the poor calls by Washington. Um, one of the plays that jumped out was Washington trying to get a little cute. You know, they, they tried to run Curtis Samuel, uh, Curtis Samuel um, and there were also some penalties. And, you know, that run, that first run by Curtis Samuel, that was the one where Kayvon Thibodeau knifed into that backfield. And I think he dropped them for, for uh, only two yard, a two-yard game, if I remember correctly. That was on that first drive in which Thibodeau had two stops and that Samuel uh, run was stopped for only two yards. The Giants didn't blitz a whole lot, by the way, in this game, which was interesting. According to NFL Next Gen Stats, they only blitzed on eight of the pass attempts by Taylor Heineke. Heineke uh, attempting, let me see, I think it was Heineke attempted um, 17 pass, I'm sorry, 29 pass attempts. He went 17, 29, 249, one touchdown, no interceptions. All right, so only eight pass attempts. But here's the thing. They were still getting pressure on Taylor Heineke. They were hitting him on just about every drop back he had. All right, so what was the key here? Well, the key was, if you look at how Washington's offense is set up, it is predicated on play action and longer developing plays. And the Giants pass rush was able to get the pressure. Thibodeau, O'Dellary, Dexter Lawrence, um, Leonard Williams, they were able to get home. And that put took the pressure off of the secondary, which, as we all know, is banged up and is still a mass unit that had its share of struggles, took the pressure off of them. And they were able to make Heineke uncomfortable in the pocket. Now, there were some throws that he was able to make, but overall, the Giants defense got the better of him. And it was just, you know, a, a tremendous effort by both sides of the ball. Um, I want to mention really quick special teams. Special teams, overall, not bad. Um, I think we got to give a shout out to Richie James, who, in addition to being the receiving yard leader with 42 yards, which was the most by any Giants receiver. That was on four out of, four catches out of five targets. Richie James, who had the concussion earlier in the week, he was in the protocol, wasn't even sh uh, you know guaranteed that he was going to play this week. Richie came up with on um, punt returns, two returns, 32 yards, 16.0 average. That's probably the best the Giants have had all year long. 16.0 average, um, no fair catches, and two punts, two of the other punts were downed. So that was not bad by Richie James. The one negative, if you want to call it a negative by the special teams, was the 43-yard kickoff return by Antonio Gibson in the second half. I think it was in the fourth quarter. That was a negative. You know, the special teams are still having these, these you know, bad plays that pop up. But overall, a pair of Graham Gano 50-yard field goals, okay, which were which you know contributed to the scoring. 
Gary Brightwell had one kickoff return for 21 yards. Okay, you'd like them to do at least 25, but all right, we'll take it. Special teams didn't hurt the Giants this week, so that was a plus. All right, coming up, more on the Giants Victory Monday here on the Locked On Giants podcast. Hey, Giant fans, playing daily fantasy based on player projections has never been easier when you visit prizepicks.com. Pick two to five players, and if they go on to score more or less than their prize picks projection, you win up to 10 times the amount of your money on any entry. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Prize picks is currently operational in over 30 states and in Canada, and they offer projections on every sport. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. And PrizePix offers safe and fast withdrawals. Download the PrizePix app today or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code LOCKEDON. Don't forget to enter that promo code LOCKEDON at sign up. Hey, small business owners, if you're looking for the right people to help your small business fire on all cylinders, check out LinkedIn Jobs. Post a free job listing in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job and the purple hiring hashtag frame to your LinkedIn profile to let everyone know that you're hiring. Over 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn Jobs every week and are just waiting to find opportunities with employers like your business. With LinkedIn Jobs, simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so that you can quickly prioritize whom you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. Go ahead now and post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. I'm Patricia Trana on a victory Monday. Mondays are always better when the Giants win. They are always better. Wins are so much easier to cover than a loss. I say that all the time, and it is so true. And I just have a few more thoughts on the Giants win um, that I want to mention to you. Um, earlier, I I neglected to mention this, but the Giants had an 18-play scoring drive on offense in the first half. That was their longest scoring drive of the season. And I want to say their longest scoring drive in the last two or three years. I'm going to check on that for you, and I'll, I'll update that on Giants country. But that was pretty impressive, folks. That drive was, a you know, going back to what I was saying about Daniel Jones and how he did what he needed to do to show that he can be this quarterback, this team's quarterback. At one point, I think Daniel Jones completed seven passes in a row on that drive. Just smart, quick decisions that really helped move the chains. So kudos to him. Um, I want to talk quickly about the end of the game, where there was some question as to whether or not there was pass defensive pass interference on that last play. Um, that was the, let me see, that was the pass that, to Curtis Samuel, I think it was. Yeah, it was Curtis Samuel and uh, Darnay Holmes was in coverage. 
And there was some question as to whether or not that was defensive pass interference. Now, if you watched the replay, and we're going to have an article on Giants Country about this because, you know, there was a pool report in which referee John Hussey commented about what happened. It did look like defensive pass interference. Let's let's be honest. But for all the times, folks, we have complained about the officiating and how it's gone against the Giants. Hey, this is how it goes. Sometimes you get the calls and sometimes you don't. This time, you know, if you thought that that was pass interference, the Giants benefited from a call. So it is what it is. I know Washington wasn't too happy with some of the calls, including the uh, overturning of the the touchdown run by Taylor Heineke on that last drive in which he did step out of bounds. Um, Washington fans, I think, are probably not happy with the officiating this morning. But look, sometimes you're going to get the call and sometimes you're not. And this week, the Giants got the call. You know, payback for that Dexter Lawrence penalty last year when, you know, I, I still question if that was a penalty, but it was called. And, you know, unfortunately, you can't go back and redo games when there is an incorrect call. But um, look, at the end of the day, they bounce out. I really believe that. And um, the Giants now have the tiebreaker, the head-to-head tiebreaker over Washington. Prior to the game, Washington had the better division record than the Giants. So hence, that was the the second tiebreaker. Well, now the Giants have the first tiebreaker. Plus, they have their first win against the division team, which is, you know, it's a start. With uh, one game remaining, that the last game of the, week, of the year against the Eagles. Now, where did the Giants go from here? Well, they have one game they need to win. One game will boost their playoff chances, according to the website, 538 to 99%. Now, if they can take care of business against Minnesota, which is another team that is kind of identical to what the Giants are at this point, despite the records, um, they pretty much are going to punch their playoff ticket. Now, I haven't seen the official scenarios I think, you know, certain things have to happen, but the Giants are well on their way to a postseason berth, barring a run of three straight losses in these remaining games. So all things said, people, this Giants season, you know, you can say the Giants overachieved. You could say they had no business doing what they were doing. Considering the talent they had and the lack of talent they they have in certain positions, this team came to play this season. You can honestly say that they were always in it for the most part, that they fought, that the effort was there. Was it pretty all the time? No, but they got it done when they needed to with few exceptions. And to still be in control of your playoff destiny with three games to go for this Giants team that's in year one of a rebuild, that's pretty impressive. Now, if they do get into the playoffs, I'm not sure he, they're going to be anything more than a one-and-done team, but it's going to be a big boost. It's going to be experience that this team can continue to build on. And I don't know about you folks, but I'm pretty happy about how the Giants' season has gone with three games remaining. So, again, barring a last-minute collapse, this team should be fine next year. Give Joe Shane a healthy salary cap, which he will have, Give him, you know, uh, an 11-member draft class, which he is projected to have. And, um, yeah, I think this team's going to be a lot, lot better.
get him some receivers for Daniel Jones, though. So it's going to be fun these last three games and possibly more. And we, of course, at the Locked on Giants will bring you everything you need to know as we continue covering uh, the rest of the regular season and hopefully more. So hope you will keep it here on Locked on Giants. I want to thank you for tuning in. Um, and again, for those of you who are asking where the podcast is, uh, I did tape it Monday mornings. You know, Sunday night games just don't go well with me. <laughs> but uh, we're here. We're, we're taping it. Um, next time we talk to you, of course, will be tomorrow, Twitter Tuesday. You know what to do. Get those questions into me. Um, and then we'll just continue rattling things off. I'll schedule another Locked on Giants Live with Tana and probably a thrill Tana and uh, Bad Dog. And uh, we will just keep bringing you podcasts every day on your New York Giants. So thank you for making us your first listen of the day or if watching on YouTube, your first watch of the day. We'll see you tomorrow for Twitter Tuesday, everybody.